Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Legendary Tales. I am one of your hosts, Isadora martin Dye, and I am joined, as always, by the amazing and wonderful Adam Bloor, who kind of looks like he needs a coffee. I've already had two, though. I am very tired today. This week has been draining. Okay. Why? It's just been long. It's just felt like forever, and the weather's been not great. No, and the clock's changed. And the clock's changed. For those listening to us in the States, the clocks in the UK change about a week before the clocks in the place where we are now is change. England. <laughs> um, the UK. So this week we are going to talk about the things that scare us the most because it is Halloween. It's three days before Halloween. All right, but yeah, you know, we're really behind on this. I keep yeah. getting alerts on my podcasty thing that says... You haven't uploaded a podcast in a week? No, that's normal, but it keeps getting alerts on my things that say like, oh, listen to all the spooky podcasts that are out. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, we haven't done our spooky podcast <laughs> yet. It anyway, is our, it is our 31st episode, though. It's our 31st episode. Which, which is interesting. Which is pretty cool on Halloween. Yeah. Um. So I'm all for that. Yeah, I'm. I'm on board on board for spooky stuff cool all right well you are starting us off today yeah and and you're going second i'm going second so what have you got to tell me about the scary i'm gonna talk a little bit about sleep paralysis uh, okay that's what you chose today which is something that i have some personal experience with not in probably like two decades yeah but i used to suffer from it pretty badly when i was in in my young ages Adam's late 20s to yeah. give you an idea of what two decades uh, is. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about that at the end, I think. But uh, I didn't realize the sort of... The supernatural aspect of, of sleep paralysis. Cool. That sort of got attributed to it because people didn't know what was happening to them. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Sweet, do it. So we start by talking about Incubus. Incubi, not the band. Incubus. <laughs> The supernatural creature well, incubus. Well, we can go either way. <laughs> um, and an incubus is, for all intents and purposes, a male succubus. Um, and in their lore, their their goal is to lie upon sleeping women in order to get them pregnant. Okay. And it's vice versa for a succubus. I didn't realize that. Like, I know that, like, in the stories, the incubus and the succubus are sort of, like, seduct, like, seduct, 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 seduct. <laughs> I know that, like, in the lore, Incubi yeah. and Succubi are, like, sedu seductress. I can't speak today. They do the seducing. Um, okay. But I didn't realize that their, like, main goal was to, like, either become pregnant or to get people pregnant for yeah. the purpose of, like, having deep babies. Okay. The Latin roots of Incubus are Incubo, which is a, a nightmare induced by a demon, and Incubare, which is to lie upon. So that's okay. where you get the word Incubus. They were first mentioned in the Sumerian king list, which was scribed in like 2400 BCE. And it's basically a list of all of the Sumerian kings. And it mentions Lilu, who was Gilgamesh's father. Gilgamesh being one of the Sumerian kings. They have an epic about him. He's sort of their homer. He does all of this really cool stuff. Okay. I don't know anything. Everything you're saying is new information to me. Okay, uh, very cool. Um, well, there's a big tablet. The Sumerian King's List is this massive rock. And okay. they basically have chiseled every era of like the Sumerian kingdom, which I think is I think is synonymous with Assyrian. So if that helps at all, okay. it's the same, it's the same region. Okay. Um I don't know what I think Assyria was a country at one point, it is no longer in Mesopotamia, basically. Okay. While this is happening. And so there's this big tablet and Gilgamesh is on it. And Gilgamesh's father. Gilgamesh being this epic hero. Yeah. And one of the kings of, one of the Sumerian kings. Okay. His father is called a Lilu mm -hmm. or Lilu. Okay. And a Lilu is this sort of incubus character. And his whole deal was that he would go and lay upon women as they slept. And he was not like a great guy. Gilgamesh is this hero. I'm sorry. You felt the need to say that the person who goes and hey, lays on women while they sleep sometimes is not a good you guy. Have, sometimes you have to say okay. these things. And there is... Some interesting mistranslation, mistranslation from the the Sumerian to like Hebrew. Okay, so in their history of kings, they actually wrote about the fact that one of their kings was like a weird ass creepy rapist. Yes, um, that's usually the kind of thing that gets left out. So um, good for them for well, being. Well, the thing is, like, I'm not sure how much he's mentioned because 
I don't think Gilgamesh's fa- father was a king. Gilgamesh became a king. So okay. I don't think he was, I don't think it's like that natural, that born. Right oh, to okay. All right. Okay. His father just happened to be one of these things. I didn't dig too much okay. into that. It was more that like, the interesting thing is that the root of that word mm-hmm. ended up being misconstrued in the Hebrew translation of like the Torah. Okay. And that's sort of where you get the, the, like the Lilith. Okay. Uh, folklore as well, which I know we talked about briefly in another, and the, it was mine as well. I can't remember what Lilith it was. Lilith being like an absolute real obsession of mine. And I yeah, know a lot about. Lilith being uh, the first wife of Adam. And I, we did mention this in, in one of our other podcasts. The La Guapa episode that we did. Okay. Um, she being Adam's first wife. And because she wanted to be equal, she was cast out of the garden and then went off and basically became the mother of demons in the Bible. That's her. That's her. Yeah. But she only appears in the Torah. She doesn't actually appear in the King James Bible, yeah. I don't think. Um, no, I think they pretty much wrote her out because yeah. it was... A bit, a bit Not too, perfect. a bit too empowering. Yeah. Um, right. So Lilu, uh, Hebrew became the Hebrew for nightbird, mm-hmm. and then you sort of get the Talmudic concept of Lilith from that word as well. But it ends up just being a sort of mistranslation that, okay. that they sort of rectify later. Steve, in night in eighteen sixty four, Stephen Herbert Langdon, mm-hmm. who was an American born British Assyriologist. So, obviously, the inspiration for the Da Vinci Code. Yes. Wrote. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because that's his, that's his whole name. Yeah. <laughs> wrote this. I believe he wrote this or, or found it scribed somewhere. And it's basically just a list of demons. And it mentions uh, Lailu directly. Okay. The wicked Utaka who slays men alive on the plain. The wicked Alu who covers man like a garment. The wicked Atemu. The wicked Galu who bind the body. The Lame who cause disease in the body. The Lailu who wanders in the plain. They have come nigh upon a suffering man on the outside. They have brought about a painful malady in his body. So, you know. Okay. They're in a list of really bad things. Yeah. St. Augustine yep. mentioned them okay. in, in, his, in his big book, The City of God, which is now something that I really want to read because it sounds relatively interesting. You and I have very different reading tips. <laughs> well, I wrote here, I want to read the, I have... I have a reading list on the top of my notes here. And I oh, want, he genuinely does. I want to read the Epic of Gilgamesh and the City of God. Because very frequently when we when I do research like this, and maybe you find this as well, but there's often source material that gets referenced back to that we don't have the time to dig into oh, yeah, for this podcast. Like the the thing you talked about last week, um, the... the, the the, the 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 big epic the Indian epic yes um that's like millions of words yes um is 180 million words definitely on my reading list I was thinking and the plant hunters the plant hunters yes that the, was the, one the, that we agree with to read yeah we should we should maybe do that and do a book review or something um so yeah. in his book the city of God because incubus attacks had been reported so frequently yeah women had been women and men had been reported yeah. waking up something sitting, feeling like something mm-hmm. was sitting on their chest and often seeing something sitting mm-hmm. on their chest. He said, this is happening too often for them to be false. He said, there is yeah. also a very general rumor. Many have verified it by its own experience and trustworthy persons have corroborated the experience others told. That sylvans and fawns, commonly called incubi, have often made wicked assaults on women. Tom, Thomas Aquinas, about 800 years later, would argue, so there's this Massive conversation about the reproductive capabilities of these creatures, whether they actually can become pregnant or make yeah. people pregnant, how they would do that. Long discussions have been held in antiquity about how these things get people pregnant. Okay. So Thomas Aquinas basically. I mean, it's a real great excuse when in antiquity you're not supposed to be having sex. sex yes. And then you get pregnant. But that's the issue is if a woman were to become pregnant and say it was an incubi, in antiquity, you're most likely going to be burned alive for consorting with a demon. Oh, so not a great, not, not a great a gr- excuse. No, not okay. a great excuse. Thomas Aquinas said, like 800 years after St. Augustine wrote The City of God, he said that it wouldn't matter if okay. a woman became pregnant due to incubus impregnation uh-huh. because God is the only thing that can give life, so the baby wouldn't be evil anyway. Oh, so then it's okay. It was just an, by that point we were. It right. was just a weird point that I found while doing yeah. this research. Um, so the incubi and the incubi and succubi they always do their evil deeds at, at night. That's like uh-huh. sort of even in the regional, countrywide, cultural differences. They're night demons. 
Well, yeah. Obviously, because you have to be asleep. They attack people who are asleep. So that actually created something known as the incubus phenomenon or sleep paralysis. And basically what it boils down to from based on my very scant research is that it's an anytime you have a nightmare, you are suffering from sleep paralysis. Okay. And what it is, is if you've never had this happen to you before, like something as intense as sleep paralysis, because I guess it does come in. I've never, I don't think I've ever. on a spectrum. You wake up and essentially you're, you feel un, you, you're unable to move and you often feel really heavy pressure right. on your chest. And you, it's, often, it's often accompanied with hallucinations. Mm-hmm. I understand the heavy pressure on the chest. That's when you want to take off your bra at the end of the night. Mm, that's exactly what it is. It's just <laughs> like that. Uh, and basically what it boils down to in a sort of very simple scientific term is disassociation between your brain and your body. Okay. So as you enter REM... REM sleep, mm-hmm. your body does lock down your muscles. Okay. You you are paralyzed when you sleep. Okay. Like I know you do, like people, when you move, you're waking up. Okay. If you're like a sort of a restless sleeper, you'll move mm-hmm. around. Or even if you fall asleep on your side and wake up on your back or your stomach, like you're waking up at those times to move around. Okay. So as you enter REM, your body locks down your muscles so that if you do have, so you can't hurt yourself basically while you're sleeping. Okay. Um, And if you enter REM mm-hmm. and your body locks you down before your brain falls asleep, mm-hmm. you can s- suffer from the sleep paralysis. And it can happen as you're falling asleep or as you're waking up. Okay. And it's basically you don't enter or leave REM fast enough. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it makes, yeah, I understand the psychological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Dr. Jan Dirk Blom is a professor <laughs> is a professor of clinical psychopathology. Young Blom? Jan Dirk Blom. Don Dirk Blom. The professor of clinical psychopathology <laughs> at the University of Leiden in Denmark or Sweden or Finland or <laughs> He might or be my favorite name ever. Jan Dirk Blom. Young Blom. Uh he's he said he did a he carried out some clinical tests and said that this occurs while you're falling asleep or waking up. REM begins or is ending while you're still conscious, which like your body is designed to not do that. Yeah. But sometimes it just happens. He said that lying in bed in such a state of paralysis, the brain's threat activated vigilance system kicks in and helps to create a compound hallucination of a creature sitting on your chest. So basically your brain turns on, your yeah. body is still paralyzed and your brain says something is sitting on, like something has to be sitting on me because otherwise yeah. this doesn't make any sense. Eleven percent of people will experience sleep paralysis in their lives. It's okay. a fairly common. It's, it's a fairly, fairly common. common thing. And like multiple times. Yes, yes, because it's it's. We'll get into it, what might be causing okay. this. Uh, certain factors increase your likelihood of suffering from sleep mm-hmm. paralysis. High stress. They find people who suffer from anxiety okay. tend to tend to tend to do this. Uh-huh. Tend to have this problem. People who have PTSD who have psychiatric disorders. This wasn't a really weird statistic, but students and refugees, which are two very different groups of people. Yes. 41% of those, of both of those groups will suffer from, from, from sleep paralysis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, people who sleep on their backs are more likely to suffer from this alcohol consumption and irregular sleeping patterns. Okay. So basically what I'm saying is this Halloween, don't get too drunk. And get some good sleep because otherwise you're gonna otherwise you're gonna wake up with a demon sitting on your chest. I mean, I can actually like of all the things where you're like people misinterpreted demon stuff. I can totally see how that could be interpreted if you're in a oh yeah like well that's the thing is is like I think I ha- I sort of struggled to find someone who woke up in the middle of the night feeling this pressure yeah. who didn't also see a demon that's like really sitting weird. on them like. You you're like eighty five percent more likely to hallucinate something sitting on your chest. It's yeah. just what happens. It's yeah. just what your brain does. Obviously, this can cause further problems. People report higher levels of anxiety. It also can cause a fear of sleeping. Oh, I can totally and so, see that too. And so people will sleep less, and then when they do sleep again, are more likely. It's a very vicious cycle. It yeah. sounds like once you fall into it, you're, yeah. you can get sucked into it quite easily. And it can also cause delusional disorder, which is sort of like schizophrenia light. Okay. Um, probably because you're not sleeping and you're hallucinating and yeah. you're a bit delusional. 
It can also cause, in a very extreme cases, it can trigger sudden unexpected death syndrome, which is when people who, for no yeah. purpose uh, according to their health, yeah. just die. One of my favorite pop stars died like that. Oh, that's a shame. Mm. Um, this syndrome is more common in young to middle-aged adults. I'm not sure if that's if that correlates directly to the sleep paralysis or yeah. if that's just the people who are most affected by it. And it's often misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all because, again, you generally yeah. don't have symptoms beforehand. Yeah. You just die. But I think it is usually like a, it's a heart, like people just have heart attacks, basically. But yeah, they, I mean, but, sudden, adult, sudden adult death syndrome is a thing. Yeah. Where there is no, like. Mm-hmm. But it can, uh, it can do that. Wow. Blom, Yandrick Blom, uh, was noting cultural differences as well. And okay. This, this is interesting for us. He said that his Muslim pace. He said that his Muslim patients often thought that they were being haunted by jinn. Okay. Which are spirits that Allah created from the smokeless fire. Okay. I believe, I believe that's what it is. And DJ, right? That's how that's spelled. Like, is it jinn? As in J-I-N? N-N. Okay. Yeah. I think D. I think D-J-I-N-N is a Western okay. spelling. And he said that he had a healthy 15-year-old girl who found she had four miniature penguins dining at a table on her chest and had been thrown and amused rather than scared. So it That would be kind of awesome. Uh, obviously, we have real diagnoses for this sort yeah. of thing now, but in the olden times, uh, the diagnosis was demonic possession or yeah. consorting with a demon, and the, the prescription was to burn you alive. And what's the prescription now? Just get better sleep, I think. I think okay. I, I don't know if there's a... I didn't see, like, a medication. I didn't okay. dig deep into that, but I'm assuming they prescribe, like, general anxiety yeah. medication or some light sleeping yeah. aid. Uh, An exorcism was another solution, so I'm really glad we're not still doing that. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, I don't know if I ever told anybody this, but when I was seven... Right. So this is the two decades ago, because yeah. I'm 27 now. Yeah. Big math. Um, <laughs> I used to sleep in the top floor of our house, and I slept in a little alcove, and across from the alcove was my closet. Okay. And I had a, I wasn't afraid of the dark, but I had a really sort of general fear about this closet. Okay. Um, and often I would wake up in the middle of the night feeling unable to sleep. And the closet doors would open and I could, I would hear a voice coming out of it. And it would often be a voice of someone familiar to me and they'd be telling me to come into the closet and I'd try to, to, to like say no, like I'm not going to do that. But my body in this nightmare would get up and walk into the closet. Mm -hmm. And I had this nightmare like once or twice a week for like a year. That's pretty terrifying. It was awful. Uh, It's pretty scary. I hated it. And it definitely... Um, I don't remember losing much sleep, but I do mm-hmm. remember generally like not wanting to go to sleep because yeah. this was just something that I didn't want to be involved in anymore. Yeah. But I, I haven't had the, that dream in I don't feel like as a child a I had a ton of nightmares, but I feel like more recently. Mm. I have, I remember two very specifically from my childhood and then there's that one. And then there's one where, again, I was sleeping up. It was this, around the same time, same like age. And I would get up out of my bed and go to, this is a a very silly one now thinking back Mm -hmm. on it. Like I'm still scared of that sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. dream, but this one is like, if I were to walk downstairs and a car were to drive down the road, the light would obviously move the shadows on the wall. And for some reason in my brain, one evening while I was awake, I was like, that looks like a ghost. Ha ha. And then I would uh, very often have dreams where like the light would move the shadow across the wall and then it would come off of the wall and be a scary ghost. But I haven't had a, a very vivid nightmare in, I think, in, like, two years, basically. Last week, I dreamt that I found was being haunted by ducks. That was a weird one. <laughs> I had a dream uh, when I was hiking that I was drowning, but that's because it was raining into my tent. Um, in my <laughs> to back, be fair, I wasn't being haunted by ducks. Invisible ducks were in my house. That's awful. Not really. I just grabbed them and put them outside. It wasn't a nightmare. Oh, that's really weird. It was a very weird dream. I have no idea why. We don't even own ducks. No, we don't. Well, we do. We own one We duck. have one duck. It's a dog. It's, he's a dog, yes. Confusingly. Um, now, that is weird. No, dreams are strange. They are. Uh, and that's not, like, that's not super scary because I like being able, because, like, obviously now I can rationalize this sort yeah. of thing. But the idea 
and like the memory of waking up and being unable to move is is no good. Yeah. There are also um I'll just finish out here. There are different names for these things, obviously, in in different cultures. Okay. The Japanese call it Kansachibara. Okay. Kansachibaru. The English and American. This was interesting. I kind of wanted to look into this. We call it old hag. Called the old hag. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but apparently it's a fairly common name for sleep paralysis in England and huh. America. And then okay. the Ch- Chinese call it the ghost. Call it ghost oppression. So. Okay. Just, uh, you know, again, yeah. we like looking at the different cultural things. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and this obviously affects everybody everywhere. Yeah, because it, it's, it's a medical. It's a, it's a medical diagnosis. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting. I didn't realize that there was such a supernatural. Because I knew people would wake up and see things, but I yeah. didn't realize that it had such an old. Well, it makes sense because, I mean, I guess it's it's not even like a. It's not a new thing. It's not like even like a disease where it involved like learning what cancer was and cells oh, yeah, were yeah, and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It's just something that happens to you. It's a psychological problem. So yeah. it's just being renamed over various mm-hmm. areas. That's cool. Yeah. And sounds scary if it happens to you. Yes, yeah, awful. So Never go so get me. so get good sleep this Halloween. Which is crazy because I'm get super haunted anxious by the person. Sleep demon. I'm a super anxious person and but you sleep like a ton of bricks. I know I do. It's great. <laughs> like but that's because I often will try and knock myself out at night. Yeah, that prob- I do take ibuprofen PM. That probably helps. Yeah, I will say because I if I don't take ibuprofen before I go to sleep at night, I just I always wake up with a headache because I think I must grind my teeth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I don't take like ibuprofen before I go to sleep, mm-hmm. I always wake up with a headache. Yeah, so, I, yeah, it's a that's a that's definitely a, a cure for that. Then. Which is more annoying but less terrifying mm-hmm. than <laughs> sleep paralysis. <laughs> sleep paralysis. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. You so, said yours was actually creepy, so let's yeah. get into some spooky stuff. Okay, what you didn't realize was you are going to be an active participant. Am I going to read a script? You are going to read a script with me. Oh my god, I thought the printer had just messed that up and we were being haunted. But nope, it's... nope, you're going to read a script with me. Oh, I couldn't have read this beforehand? No! <laughs> okay. It's really like three words. Oh, okay. okay. It's not three words, but we're going to read a script because my thing that scared me oh, absolutely yeah. when I was 12 years old was I watched Scream and I remember I was watching it in my friend Amy's house and it was a sleepover and we must have been 12 or th- it must have been 13 when it came out. I read the last word and I'm spooked. <laughs> and it came out when I was about 13 and it has always terrified me and that is like the callers coming from inside the house. Yeah. So we are going to read the opening scene of the Scream movie. I will play Casey and read scene descriptions, and you are the man on the I'm phone. I'm man's voice, which I think makes me shaggy from the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. And so. if you could do it like that, it would be way less creepy. Well, like shaggy. <laughs> like Zoinks, man. How are we okay. going to do the silence? We're just going to just take a beat? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um... Casey Becker, a young girl, no more than 16, a friendly face with innocent eyes. Well, no, you have to the read phone, the, the phone rings first. The phone obviously. rings, <laughs> and she brings the receiver up to her face. Hello? Hello. Yes? Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? What number is this? What number are you trying to reach? I don't know. I think you have the wrong number. Do I? It happens. Take it easy. Click. She hangs up the phone. She's in a living room alone. She moves from the living room to the kitchen. It's a nice house. The phone rings again. She grabs the portable. Hello? I'm sorry, I guess I dialed the wrong number. So why did you dial it again? To apologize. You're forgiven. Bye now. Wait, wait, don't hang up. Casey stands in front of a sliding glass door. It's pitch black outside. (coughs) What? I want to talk to you for a second. You've got like 900 numbers for that, see ya. She hangs up again, a grin on her face. The phone rings again. Popcorn sizzles in a pot on the stove. Casey covers it with a lid, reaching for the portable phone. Hello? Why don't you want to talk to me? Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. I don't think so. What's that noise? Casey smiles, playing along. Popcorn? You're making popcorn? Uh Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? He's flirting with her. Casey moves away from the stove and takes a seat on the kitchen counter directly in front of the glass door. I don't know. You have to have a favorite. She thinks for a second. Uh, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who just sort of walks around and stalks babysitters? What's yours? Guess. Nightmare on Elm Street? Is that the one where the guy had knives for fingers? Yeah, Freddy Krueger. 
Freddy. That's right. I liked that movie. It was scary. The first one was, but the rest sucked. So you got a boyfriend? Why, you want to ask me out? Maybe. You have a boyfriend? No. You never told me your name. Casey smiles, toiling her hair. Why do you want to know my name? Because I want to know who I'm looking at. And that began the beginning of a scene where she then realizes that her boyfriend is tied up outside in a chair on outside on the on patio. On the porch, right? Yep, where she has to name serial killers so that he doesn't end up dead. She gets the name of the killer from Friday the 13th wrong because it's Jason's mother. In the first movie. In the first movie. And so then she ends up being strangled with a phone cord. Yeah, that movie's really creepy. So that is the opening scene of Scream. Yep. And yeah, that pretty much. That's why you don't watch horror movies anymore. No, pretty much terrified the hell out of me. And that was where I finished with my horror movie watching extravaganza. So actually really what we're going to talk about is your favorite things, which are movie movie tropes. Mm, I love tropes. I know you do. So this particular trope first uh, kind of, I guess it was used in a radio play in the 1940s. Oh. Like phone calls started to be used as a thing. Mm-hmm to build tension. Mm-hmm. But really the first time that this like this call is coming from inside the house trope thing <laughs> appeared was in A Stranger Calls in 1979. Okay. Um, which is a psychological horror film written and directed by Fred Walton and Steve Feck. Um Feck. Feck. it's uh basically takes this like babysitter phone call thing mm-hmm. um legend commonly known as the babysitter and the man upstairs legend. Okay. And it's the first movie that takes this legend and actually rec- makes a film okay. about it. Um, it has developed cult following and because the first 20 minutes are consistently regarded as one of the scariest movie openings mm. of all time. Um, and it is the inspiration for the first 12 minutes of Scream. Okay. Um, because that whole movie is basically like meant to be a parrot, like not a, a, par- a parody, a, a homage, to an homage all to horror yeah. tropes. Yeah, that came before it. But it's still and also then, of horrifying. Course, scary movie then did a parody of oh, Scream. Yes, which, which was, was a, already a parody. Uh, very weird, but whatever. <laughs> um, so the film was released in the US in 1979 on October 26th, right before Halloween. It was commercially successful, grossing twenty million at the box office. Whoa. Um, yep, that was a lot of money even now. But <laughs> uh, okay, so there's an author named Travis Holt who wrote a book on various different things. But one of the things that he wrote primarily was on this idea of phone calls and building tension. Mm-hmm. And he says. The phone is presented at the beginning as a means of safety and comfort. It's a savior rather than a burden. Once the harassing phone calls begin, however, the view of the telephone becomes more sinister. With the constant central framing of the telephone and its intrusion into the tranquility of the house, the phone becomes Jill's nemesis. Jill remains trapped in a situation where she can do nothing but pray that the perpetrator stops calling. The device that usually holds so much promise for positive communication has virtually become her worst nightmare. Okay. And this is from the uh, Stranger Calls, obviously. That's him talking about Stranger Calls. So what is the Stranger Calls based on? What is this legend? Um, So this is how the legend goes. Um, By the way, most of my sources for this stuff was just kind of like Wikipedia. Mm. Um, In a minute, I'll get onto my other source, which um, I'll name because it's written further down. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, basically, a teenage girl is babysitting at night. The children have been put to bed upstairs and the babysitter is downstairs watching TV. The phone rings and the caller tells her to go check the children. The She dismisses the phone call and goes back to watching TV. The, the caller dials back several times, each time telling her to go check the children. Eventually, she calls the police who inform her they'll trace the next call that comes through. The, anom- the stranger calls again and the police return her call, advising her to leave immediately. She evacuates the home and the police meet her. They explain the calls were coming from inside the house and the unidentified prowler was calling her after killing the children upstairs. Mm. So that's the, like, legend. Mm -hmm. Helpfully, Wikipedia also lists off some of the varieties of this because there's a whole, you know, like any legend. Yeah, it evolves. It evolves. So in some of them, it's really, like, 
innocent. So in some of them, it's the children are it's the children ringing from upstairs mm-hmm. that are just calling to freak the babysitter out. Um, in some of them, the she's killed. The babysitter is killed. Um, in some, she manages to rescue the children, and the prowler gets arrested. In some versions, when the prowler calls the babysitter, he just makes scary sounds. Um, and you know, doesn't actually say like "go check the children." Um, some they as they he's arrested, they threaten like "see you soon" to the babysitter. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, that's used in one of the I think Scream or Halloween or something. I like, haven't seen Halloween. Any of the Halloween? I think the newest Halloween. Like I don't know. There's some like that's used somewhere. Um, one of them, the children are with the babysitter when she's watching the TV. Um, the prowler starts phoning them saying he'll be with them in a certain amount of time. Then after they get the news that the calls are coming from inside the house, they hear the door upstairs opening and the sound of footsteps heading down to the room where they are. Uh, years later, the babysitter, ah, this might be the film one. Years later, the babysitter is now an adult and has a family of her own. One evening they're out for dinner while the babysitter's at home and she gets a phone call out at dinner saying, did you check the children? That's Halloween, I think. Is it? I think so. And uh, then another version, she checks on the children each time, noticing a creepy clown statue that she assumes is part of the decor, but ends up being the man in question. Oh, that's in an episode of, it's not supernatural, is it? I don't know. She learns this when she mentions it to the mother via the phone call who alerts them to the fact that they don't have a clown statue. There's a man sitting in a chair and he's in a clown costume. I mean, there is a supernatural one where the clown's killing the kids. Maybe that's what maybe that's what it is. No. But I don't know if it's got anything to do with the phone call thing. No, no, no. It's just a guy sitting in a, and then she's like, "Oh, that's a creepy clown." Like, oh, okay. Like, why did why did why did that? I don't know. This that? whole thing just freaks me out, and mm-hmm. I don't know why it freaks me out because so badly. Because it's because it's your home. So like the, uh, going along with the thing that was you say his name was like Travis Holt, right? The author of that yeah. book. It's the same idea, right? Is that like so this this phone is supposed to be like a safe mode of communication? It's supposed to, like whenever you see a. Uh, babysitter making a phone call in a movie. She's like calling her friends or yeah. like, or like whatever. That's like that's the thing that they do in the movies, especially in like the eighties and the seventies. But the idea that someone could be in your house, which is supposed to be like the safest place for yeah. you, that's horrifying because it's like you've been like you. There's nowhere that's safe. You're doing that everything right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not being. Yeah, you're not. You're not taking any risk. You're not. No. You haven't put yourself in in a position where you could potentially get hurt but you're you are now still in a position yeah. where you could be hurt so now we're going to turn to an article written on truecrimearticles.com mm-hmm. 2018 and this is the basis for the legend okay so we're actually going to talk true crime now which, cool. um and which is the horrifying murder of Jeanette Christ- Christman um who was born on March 21st in 1936. So we're going way back in. In time. In time. She was a living in Missouri and then uh, in Columbia, Missouri. Um, and her parents owned a steakhouse and they were like good, honest, like just normal, normal great family. She had a little brother, I think, and a little sister. Oh no, two little sisters. Um, she was 13 and an eighth grade student at Jefferson Junior High School, and she was described as a loving church-going teenager who had a knack for playing the piano in the choir. She was intelligent and independent, and she was famous for having a really great work ethic. On March 16, 1950, there was a dance party being held for the students of her school, but she wanted to go, she really, really wanted a burgundy-colored suit that she had been saving up for. Mm. So she got the offer to go and babysit a three-year-old boy named Gregory, who she babysat for many times in the past. Um, she would babysit regularly for two different families, which were the Romanax and the Mueller's. Um, this evening, she was going to be looking after the Romanax son. At 7.30, she arrived at the residence. The couple had recently moved to a rural and isolated farmhouse on the outskirts of Columbia. That's no good. I know. Never do that. Um at the time, and the wife was pregnant due to the recent and exhausting relocation. They hadn't been able to have a night out for a while. So when the chance arose to spend some time with friends and play cards, they capitalized on the opportunity. When she arrived, Anna showed her that Gregory was sleeping with the radio on upstairs and wouldn't be too much of a hassle. 
wouldn't we even wake up mm -hmm. if it was past his bedtime. Um, prior to leaving, Ed taught Janet how to load and unload and fire the shotgun in case anything should happen. And as they were leaving, Ed placed the gun near the front door and said they would be back soon and advised her to lock the door, turn the front porch light on, and if anyone came knocking, don't let them in. Has someone been knocking at their door before this? I, it seems over the top to me. I don't understand this, but maybe they were just, I don't know. So the weather started to get really bad, like dropping well below freezing uh, with rain and sleet. And, and you know, uh, it was really it's horrible. It's just a, it's a, it's a horrible, like total horror filmy, for, for a horror movie. Horror film kind of night. Thanks, I hate it. Um, so nothing really comes up. Nothing's really happening until 1035 when the Boone County Sheriff's Department receive a frantic phone call. The phone rings. Officer Ray McCowan picks up and asks what the emergency was. He was met with a house of a woman screaming in sheer panic, uttering the words, come quick. The line was cut short and a dial tone was all that could be reached. This is before they could trace the call. Trace the call. Um, all McCowan knew was that it was not a prank. There was mm. no way this this horror could be faked. faked. Um, and all they could do was sit at the police station and wait. See if she called back. Uh -huh. So shortly thereafter, Anne Romanak called home um, where she, her husband, the Mueller's and other friends were playing cards um, to check how she was doing. And no one answered the phone, uh, but it was late. So they figured she'd just fallen asleep and they decided that they were going to spend a couple of extra hours away from home. Mm. They arrived home at 1.15. Okay. Um, 1.35. So they pulled into their driveway and they noticed the porch light was on and the front window blinds were still open. As he began to unlock the door, he realized it was already unlocked. Already creepy because he'd given her strict instructions to not unlock the door for anyone. Um, but they're just opened. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I creepy. Hate it. <laughs> it's not creepy at all. She was found sprawling on the living room floor in a pool of blood soaking through the shag carpet. She had been violently raped and murdered. Um and there was a wound from a blunt instrument, multiple punch wounds. She later realized were from a mechanical pencil. Ugh. And a cord from an electric iron that had been snipped with a pair of scissors and was wrapped around her neck. A few feet away was the landline phone dangling off the hook. The reason why she was unable to get a response when the mother had called earlier in the evening. Um, they ran upstairs to check Greg, who was unharmed and still asleep. So, um, that is the horrific... I didn't realize that there was a... Well, I mean, obviously there would be a true story. Murder of Jeanette Christian... Uh, That's Christman. a horrible story. Yep. So... There was tons of evidence. Uh, they called the police um, and there was some jurisdictional issues because it like fell between two jurisdictions, the oh, one that like, she'd rung and... Like between two counties yeah. or something silly. Um, so there was tons of adult... There were male footprints. She'd obviously put up a fight. Um, the window had been shattered with a garden hoe, mm -hmm. which is where they thought he'd gain entry and then oh, passed okay. out the front door. Um, and, uh, so it really depends on, like, I guess there was several different theories at this point. The front light being on means that perhaps someone had come to the front door and she turned the light on to see who it was. Who it was. So some people reckon that she maybe knew who it was and let her in because he didn't, she didn't go for the shotgun at the front door. Mm -hmm. Um, and the that, window was broken, right? And that maybe the window was broken afterwards, subsequent okay. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also to get the electrical iron cord where the, where there might be a cord. Others thought that he'd broken in and snuck around the house and found what he needed. Um, um, it wasn't, uh, and, and it kind of, you know, that was, that was it. It was, there was someone else had been killed. A woman named Mary Lou was also killed with a cord a few years previously. Mm -hmm. Um, they thought they'd found her killer. Um, a guy tried to kill his wife, and then um, they basically just pinned his her murder on him. Okay. So he tried to kill his wife. Yeah. He was interrogation for like hours and hours and hours, like nineteen fifties. 
mm-hmm. style interrogation yeah, yeah. where he then confessed to killing this other girl, Mary Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was killed. He was electrocuted. Um, oh, no, gassed in the gas chamber mm. um, before uh, uh, Janet was killed. Okay. So uh, I guess the theory being that the the MO was very similar between the two women. They've yeah. both been killed by an electrical cord and raped. Yeah. Um, so maybe they hadn't actually caught her killer. Uh-huh. Um, and that he, just, he and had just he'd confessed. confessed just because the police had yeah. put pressure on him to yeah. confess to something that they were desperate to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit later, a few more, <laughs> several days before Halloween, a 16-year-old teenager was babysitting on East Sun, this is in... Uh, this is kind of around the same period when an unidentified male wearing a white homemade mask with holes cut out for eyes broke into the residence and raped her while she was babysitting. Later, there was another one in um, where she resisted and the attacker fled. Um, they did catch a 26-year-old man named Jake Bradford for some of these, and he uh, he confessed to assaulting the 16-year-old. Um, Are these all around the same time? All around the same time, all around the same area. Okay. Um, and once they caught this guy, uh, a lot of these prowlers and rapes did start to drop. But the number one suspect for Janet's death was actually uh, Ed Romanak. So remember I said, uh, no, um, the uh, Mueller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other. The other family member. Yeah. So. Why? <laughs> well, why was he suspected? Yeah. Earlier in the day, he rung her to see whether she could babysit for him that night mm-hmm. because they were all going to the same card game. Mm-hmm. And she told him that she wasn't going to be there. She was actually going to be at the Romanax instead because she'd already committed to babysitting for them. Yeah. Um, he did disappear for two hours in the middle of the party. Um, she He knew she was going to be there. Um, a ton of circumstantial... Um, Evidence like he offered to come and help clean up the blood from the house, even though he shouldn't have known that. Like he rang the morning oh, after the yeah, murder to yeah. offer to come and help clean up the murder scene, mm-hmm. even though there was there no way he would have. Yeah, because they didn't tell him. I'm they sure didn't the tell him, and it probably hadn't, hadn't been released. Yeah, and it hadn't been printed yet. Um. Uh. And even he's apparently talked about it with Ed Romanak, saying how he believed the crime unfolded, Lane claimed that breaking a window to climb into the house would be too loud and noticeable. Instead, it would be much easier to knock on the door and say, Ed sent me here to get poker chips. Mm. Mm. So everyone, I mean, everyone, everyone still thinks it's him. Yeah. Um, However, they, they polygraphed him and he came back as telling the truth and not Mm. having anything to do with it. So, he was never charged because uh, there was just so much like between the two jurisdictional things, this crime scene never got processed properly. They couldn't come up with a central narrative as to how it would have happened because the two police forces were fighting. He then passed the like polygraph. Yeah. polygraph. Um, he was never actually charged with it. Um, and he actually later sued the police for defamation. Oh, wow. He lost the lawsuit because they said, basically you can't sue for something that's, yeah, because we Pro- didn't we didn't defame you because you probably you didn't get... actually <laughs> killed her. Yeah. After that, he moved to Tucson, Arizona, and he passed away in two thousand and six at eighty three years old. So mm. that's the real story of the callers coming from inside the that's house. That's weird. Well, it's not weird because uh, it's just interesting that it would have picked up this extra um, thing narrative spin where they're already in the house. Yeah. But I guess it just again it just that's ma- how a legend evolves. It makes I guess. sense, really, doesn't it? Because um, that's that's just one. Because like it's scary enough. Because I think that like that that's also a horror movie trope. Is like the person goes to answer the door and yeah. the murderer is someone and the one you're more likely to be murdered by someone you know than yeah. a stranger. So sleep well with that tonight. Um, is that and then it, the idea that you go to the door and you see someone that you recognize and so you let them in. And yeah. then they kill you. Um, that's definitely a horror movie trope as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and. I will say that, funnily enough, I went looking for other babysitters who got killed. Mm-hmm. Loads more babysitters doing the killing. So sleep well with that. 
Um, <laughs> uh, like killing the children yeah. or just like, okay. So loads more of those. Like It's interesting because the, the babysitter character, again, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the word yeah. trope probably about 70 times in the next it's five minutes. kind of minutes. what we're doing here. But like that is also a trope in horror. Like all of the, all of the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah have to do with like a baby like not all of them but they they often revolve around a babysitter and halloween's about babysitters and 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 usually they're the sweet innocent victim yeah in fact actually i mean a lot of them i mean i read some pretty horrific things about dead babysitters what babies, no what, oh, what babysitters, babysitters did yeah um i didn't find a ton of stories of babysitters actually being murdered. Being murdered. Mm. There are a few, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, there seems to be more, I've read a couple and I listened to a podcast, there seems to be more like babies, like young girls are trying to start up a little like babysitter's club. Yeah. And they get a phone call asking to go and babysit for a family. Uh-huh. And then like they never show up there or they, like the phone call was probably not, not a real, real. Yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, that one more than like. Interesting. They're at like a family house that they know and something happens to them. Mm. There was one about a girl who um, was babysitting with a friend and the, they fell asleep and she wasn't there when the friend woke up. And she, or guess she told the friend she was going to go to the nearby 7-Eleven to go and get something. Yeah. Drink. And just never showed back up. Mm. But very few like, like legit slasher baby sort of killings. Yeah. Interesting. I guess it's good, yeah. guys. If you're a babysitter, uh, it's not probably actually a, probably like, a relatively safe career it's, path. It's scarier on paper than it is in reality. Unless you're the psychopath. Um. Yeah. Unless you're the one that's doing the killing. So. Okay. So basically, I mean, finishing off this by saying, it's uh, a trope that's disappearing. Is it obviously? Mm. Because phone lines are disappearing. Oh yeah, right. Of course, obviously, because phone calls can happen anywhere. Yeah. Um, phone calls can happen anywhere. You can use your phone and block it and burner it. And, uh, it's becoming a much harder thing for horror film writers to overcome, Mm. which is most of the time when something scary happens. Now you've got a phone in your pocket and you can just dial emergency services. And that's always such a lame in bad horror movies. It's always like, like There'll be like, I don't know, it always be like, my phone doesn't have service. And you're like, how? Or it's run out of battery. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. So there, there was just kind of a thing, which is like, there was kind of quite a few articles basically saying, like, this is getting harder and harder and it's mm. looking stupider and stupider oh, yeah. to do the. And I think that means contextually that a lot of these like movies with the color in the house become a lot less scary because, because like a, a, you have a generation, well, like two generations of people growing up with. With with yeah with cell phones um, and they're like I don't understand like how can this even like I don't get it like I read somewhere that like maybe the new Friday the Thirteenth or something again I don't watch horror films so I'm just Mm. like they drop their phone in a bowl of custard so it stops working. It's really funny. I I mean sometimes like I said like the workarounds that they're coming have to that they have to sort of write in just to get because and it it always feels like they forgot about it like they've written this really maybe it's actually a scary movie and then they get to like the cutting room floor and they're like oh we didn't shoot a scene where like all of the cell phones stop working and so it's something like that like yeah why was there a bowl of custard why they and why would dropping your phone in a bowl of custard stop your phone from working you know i don't know but my point being is that um this is this is a sphere that is going to date me. Yeah. <laughs> we need... <laughs> this is like... We need new horror movie tropes. Yeah. This is like naming your children, like, Edward and Jacob. Like, <laughs> it's going to date them. Yes. Like... Quickly. Quickly. You're going <laughs> to know that you were a mother in the twi-hard period of life. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, fears, so, are, fears are like that. But it is... It's still, honestly, as I read this stuff, I'm still scared by it. I want to watch Scream now. I never want to watch Scream again. It really, like... But anyway, I, I mean, it's a real fear, and honestly, it's... Does it have a name? I mean, it's so, it was... it's. Does it have, like, a phobe... Like, a like a triskaidekaphobia thing? Does it have one of those? Like, landlines ringing is a phobia? <laughs> well, yeah. Being afraid that a phone call is coming from inside of your house. No, I couldn't find a particular phobia oh, for it. I feel it. like I'm on my own that I find this particular thing, like, has set with me. I think you'd find people who are your age who... Do watch screen yeah. or, well, or like I mean, Friday the 13th yeah, or whatever. I, I don't think it's that crazy of a fear. 
It's definitely, it's definitely like... Well, it's not a substantiated fear. Like, I'm not scared when a phone rings that on no. the other end of it's going to be a killer. No. Like, it's a... It's a... I don't know. It's like, it's just one of those things that makes the skin... <sighs> my skin crawl. Yeah, me too. When you were reading that the report about the um that, that girl in Missouri, that's very, very scary stuff. Um, and, yeah. Anyway. There we go. We did scary stuff. We did that. We did things that scare us, which we don't often do scary. I mean, we don't really do scary. It's stuff. been a while. Yeah, it's good. I think the last time we had a skin crawly episode was the first time we, when we did the Japanese one, our first Japanese yeah. episode. Um, yeah. I needed a break. I needed a twenty-four hour break after that. I have to say, I did start doing this research like a week. I'm mm. usually really good about doing my research mm. in advance. Um, I did start doing this. Adam smiling. It I, was not a dig. Um, <laughs> But this week I started doing this research and stopped. stopped. And then I went to go and do it last night. Oh God. While you guys were all out. And yeah. I was like, nope. I don't nope, think I don't not think doing, I, I don't think I will. No, not doing this in the dark on my own in with my the, house. With just the TV light on. Yeah. No, not doing that. No. So I waited until this morning when it was daylight and <laughs> and, and Ben was in the room. And, and did it now and, and the then I'm gonna locked. have all day to get over it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good thing. All right. I don't know what we're doing next week. We haven't really talked about it. No, we haven't. Um we I might, haven't. I might do something about the V for Vendetta bonfire night. Oh yeah, Fox, that's coming up, isn't that's it? That's coming up. Yeah, maybe. So I might do a revolutionary. Yeah, maybe I'll do Guy Fawkes. Okay. I don't know. You don't know who Guy Fawkes is? I know who Guy Fawkes is, because I've seen B for Vendetta. <laughs> I know exactly who Guy Fawkes <laughs> That's is. That's all anyone ever knows uh, about the 5th of November is, Guy, is V for Vendetta. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, what I'll do to bounce off that, but I'll, we'll figure, find something. I'll figure it out. Uh, terrorism. Because Guy Fawkes was a terrorist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. We could, I don't really want to talk about terrorism. Okay. Like Guy Fawkes at least has this sort of, like, not charming... Or and I mean I'm, and I'm when I say Guy Fox I'm I'm using it interchangeably with the character from Beef and I do realize they're not the same person. Um, he's sort of gotten this sort of this like notoriety that makes him a bit. I'm not gonna just talk about terrorism <laughs> because like I don't want to. He also was a traitor. Yes, but no. Okay. We'll we'll get there when we get there. I'm not gonna talk about terrorism. <laughs> Dora's gonna hard talk, pass from Adam. <laughs> Dora's gonna talk about a terrorist. I will find something. I'm gonna talk about ancient terrorism, Ooh, which is much more funner. You wanna know something that's really interesting? Because we were talking about our fears. This mm. episode is coming in at less than an hour. I think we decided to just run through oh, the wow. stuff that scares yeah. us really quickly. Yeah. Um, rare for us. Yeah, that is that is a bit rare. All right, check us out on Instagram. Don't bother writing and reviewing us because you never do. <laughs> but please but do. please do and prove me wrong. <laughs> please um, rate and review us. We'll send you a shirt. One of just a shirt. A shirt. We don't have shirts. Someone, so let me be real we'll clear about this. We'll send you someone this. shirt. We don't know um, who's or from if where. If someone rates and reviews us, if anyone, if yeah. we get two ratings and reviews us, I will make shirts we'll and I will send you a we'll send you legendary tail shirt. With a grandmother on it. Something, yeah, with a call your grandmother. Send us a DM on the Instagram. Send us an email at the email. Donate to the UK Virgin Money Giving page for 100 miles. Oh, yeah. 100 oh, that. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll Bye. see you next week. Bye. Bye.